0: And hello there, Peter Mansbridge here. You are just moments away from the latest episode of The Bridge. It's Wednesday, and you know what that means. Smoke, mirrors, and the truth with Bruce Anderson.
1: Looking for a way to zhuzh up your dinner options? With 21 flavorful recipes every week, Chef's Plate ensures dinner time will never be boring. Our menu includes easy and quick 15-minute meals and favorite classics, including vegetarian options and more. We don't compromise on the yum factor. Each Chef's Plate box comes with pre-portioned ingredients measured out perfectly for your meals. Say goodbye to wasted produce and hello to saving money. Go to shesplate.com and click the sign up button and apply the code the bridge. That's the bridge for 50% off your first two boxes.
0: Ah, we love that music. We love Wednesdays. And we love smoke, mirrors, and the truth. That's what you tell us. That's what you tell us when you write it's the Mansbridge Podcast, at gmail.com. Bruce is in Ottawa today. I'm in uh, Stratford, Ontario. And I've got something I need to talk to you about, first of all, before we get into today's topic. All right, all right. I'm
2: looking forward to it. I've been saving up truth for a whole week, so I've been looking forward to today.
0: Well, we need the truth on on this subject, first of all, because I've had a number of letters. And when you hear that phrase, a number of something, you know, a number, one is a number. mm. It could be just one letter usually means more than one, though, if you say number, right? It but usually it means mean more like than number. Oh. It doesn't really mean dozens. Not necessarily. It means necessarily. like four or five. Let's say four or five. Okay. Well, it, you know, that's kind of in the ballpark. All right. Around four or five letters in the last couple of weeks of people who are very disappointed in you. And you know why? Because. Wait, you- can I guess? <laughs>
2: Okay. Uh, because I sound like, uh, I don't know, uh, a lefty, a communist. Uh, is it anything in that zone? Because I do hear that sometimes, a little bit too progressive for some people's taste.
0: Yeah. But maybe because
2: I, you know, no, I give up. Okay, you tell me
0: why. Well, it wasn't why that. That was not the reason why. Because that's, <laughs> that's so commonplace. Those letters come in every day. People,
2: are, you know, <laughs> I'm just. I am what I
0: am. It's, You're just it's a woke like,
2: guy. I don't use that term. No, like, I, I, I don't, don't think like that, that you term. should
0: either. If I'm too old to use it, so are you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely too old to use it. But I can spell it. That's what. I, that's the one thing I've always liked about that word is I can spell it.
2: All right. Well, look, if you're about to break my heart with no, the criticism, let's no, it's, hear the it's, four or five and, it, and here, let's get on with it. Here it
0: is. Here it is. This is the issue. Why does the radish farmer never tell us anymore about the radish farm? Like he was so big and excited seasonal. about this seasonal. all summer and then suddenly disappeared.
2: See, it's, it's seasonal. I'm not saying that my interest in farming was strictly a product of the pandemic but there was certainly some relationship between the pandemic and not very much to do not very much you could do and spring was arriving and uh, needed to get outside so it's a good question it's a good question and as you know um next spring i'm hoping to spend a little bit of time in scotland and you probably are as well absolutely and so I'm just now starting to think about what does farming next year want to feel like? So I've got all the equipment that I organized for this year and I've learned some important lessons with my daughter this year about farming. And uh, so we haven't talked about it because there's been so many other things to talk about, but um, I'm, I'm, I don't hear it as a criticism. I hear it as an invocation to, to come back with more farming stories at some point at the right time
0: okay but i guess the question is like what has happened to the radish farm like if i went out there today what would i see has it all been like did you do all the kind of stuff that farmers do at the end of the year to get ready for the next year yeah oh yeah it's all prepared
2: for it's gonna you know it's gonna have a quiet winter uh the soil is going to be properly um supported and um uh You know, I just don't you're, have you're looking for the
0: terminology. <laughs> you're looking for that farming terminology.
2: You know, it's, it's a little bit like any big you know hobby that that people get deeply involved in. Although for farmers, it's obviously not a hobby; it's their lives. But there's a lot of technical terms, and I don't know them. It's like if I talk to people who are sailors, and they have all these terms for uh, sailing, I don't understand all the terms, and so I'm still learning on farming, and I don't have all the right words, but I have all the good intentions. All right. So you haven't given up on radishes. No. So you'll be back at no. it
0: again next, next year. No.
2: And I, I do find it interesting that radishes are what kind of sparked a lot of the imagination of people as they reacted to it. If I'd said, you know, which I did plant a lot of tomatoes, it, I don't know if people would have reacted as much. Radishes, though, something about it. I think it's a good word.
0: It is a good word. And they they embraced it. They embraced the fact that the uh, the bridge has shown its diversity in terms of the people who appear on the program and right. range in professions <laughs> from epidemiologists to, to radish farmers, and to radish farmers, everything. In Very between. good. All right, I want to talk a little bit about yesterday about the speech from the throne. Um, I, I before we get to the content, such as it was. I want to talk about the optics. I mean first of all, the whole and it's more than optics for Mary Simon. It you know, it was such it was such a moment for Canada to see the Governor General, an indigenous person, sitting in the throne chair, reading the speech from the throne in three different languages. And I thought she was fantastic, and I thought um, it, it was it was such an important moment for Canada and such an important moment um, for the uh, Inuit to see one of their own in that role, and obviously because of many of the things she was talking about in that throne speech related directly to to her experiences and her concerns and her desires for the future for. Um, this country so on the, the one hand to me that was the headline and no matter what else you look at in, in terms of that day I thought that was like really really important here's what I didn't like about the day I thought uh, in terms of the optics of the moment and having covered these myself for like 40 years uh, you got caught up in the past with the pomp and pageantry of it all um, and we'd spent a lot of time, you know, talking about what it all meant and what the traditions were and why they do certain things and the, you know, black rod and the knocking on the door and all of that stuff. But yesterday it looked, for a number of reasons, it looked so out of place with today's world and today's concerns. Uh, I mean, I think partly due to the, so much construction going on on Parliament Hill and renovation that everything was changed and, we, you know, we, we spent like... You know what it what seemed like endless minutes watching these little white trucks that look like ice cream trucks carrying MPs going, going around Parliament Hill, moving from you know the, the the parliament buildings over to the old conference center where they had set up the uh, the area um, it set up for the uh, uh, for the speech in the throne. Um, because the main chamber uh that's used on speech on the throne days of the senate is is under renovation, so yeah it to me it just looks so out of place. Cut to the quick let's see the uh hear the speech on the throne and hear what the various politicians have to say. I think a day like yesterday was wasted in terms of. Uh, The attempt to try and show Pomp and Padre, everybody was freezing because of COVID, the restrictions on crowds. You had this kind of pathetic little ceremony going on outside um, that that I just, I I thought it was all. Jesus, tell us what you really think. Well, you know, I was was really disappointed. I just thought, uh, such a waste. Uh, It used to be a learning experience about our past and our traditions. I think, you know, some of that time is gone. It's always going to be. It's always going to be important to understand uh, where we came from and, and certain parliamentary traditions. But I thought yesterday was was a waste, and then we get to the content. But I why don't I let you? Um, uh, say well, you what know, you want I, to I think, think that all. it's all a
2: question of expectations in a way. I mean, I, I've I've been watching the TV show that is the House of Commons uh, or Parliament since 1978 and for i would say the last 30 of those years it's been the worst tv show on offer (laughs) and the throne speech is the worst episode of the worst tv show on offer all the time always has been um you know maybe you can recall a day when you liked people showing up in a horse-drawn carriage Uh, But I didn't like it as a TV show then. I thought it was kind of silly.
0: Better than gas-powered.
2: You know what? I I don't know. I don't know. I can't really judge it. I just think it's a garbage TV show. And really, you know, the the best news is that most people didn't do what you did yesterday, which is try to watch the worst episode of the worst TV show. They just (laughs) consumed, if they consumed anything... Uh, just a little bit about what the what the government said and uh, i kind of felt like first of all i was wrong let me just uh let me get this out of the gate here let me
0: record this let me just push the record button on this one to make sure that we last week when we talked you were wrong do you want to start back at that again yeah i I should
2: let's take two i was wrong And where I was wrong was last week when you and I and Chantal, I think, were talking. Maybe it was the time that you and I were talking on Wednesday. I said, well, I'm looking forward to what the surprise will be in the throne speech. (laughs) And what a goof uh, I was to say that because I thought, okay, they're being kind of quiet and understated about what's to come in the throne speech. And. Usually when politicians do that, it's because they've got a trick up their sleeve, something that they're going to bring forward and everybody's going to go, wow, today was newsworthy. I'm really interested in that. I didn't see that coming. And they did exactly the opposite of that. They, they basically gave a throne speech that the worst criticism of which I think is, well, they said they were going to do what they campaigned uh, saying that they were going to do. And I think that while that may be disappointing for people who are looking for drama in a throne speech, first of all, I can think of almost anything else I would have done yesterday that would have given me more drama than a throne speech, even (laughs) without the fact that this was a low drama throne speech. But I think it reflects the fact that the government knows a little bit where Canadians heads are at, which is just do the work. Just get your head down, do the work. Tell us what the priorities are, again, if you must. But the throne speech isn't like we're going to go in and build a boat, and then by the end of the throne speech, we're going to float the boat. It's it's a speech that says, welcome back. Here's what we're going to do in terms of the legislation that we're going to try and get done over the coming months. And in that sense, I kind of felt it was dull but refreshing. Uh, refreshing in the sense that politicians were kind of putting aside the idea of let's find language that sounds even more epic and therefore less believable for a lot of people but just kind of let's get our heads down and do the work so
0: that's my take well, you know i I, didn't, I, I, always, sure. I found it funny because you know it's what's odd for me is I, I watch it through a whole different lens having sat there for all those years doing doing the thing and, and thinking, oh, this is really relevant. This, <laughs> this is, like, really important. And then seeing it the way I saw it yesterday, which was through a very different lens. But one of the things that, that, that happens on, on Throne Speech Day, that when when the networks sign on, uh, whether it's TV or radio, they spend a lot of time saying, this is just an outline of the government's agenda. There won't be any real details in this. And then it, <laughs> then it comes out, and they start hammering away right well there's no details like where were the details right right, right, <laughs> you know, I've, right. I've been there i've seen that movie i've been yeah. part of that movie before but yeah it is crazy
2: well i read another criticism of it or at least one part of a piece that that included this as a a kind of a criticism is that well now it just remains to be seen if they'll if they'll simply talk about what they're going to do or they will actually do some of it and I don't know what you know how the speech could have done more than just talk about what they're going to do that's that's what it is um i also think though that um you know this government can be criticized for for a good many things no shortage of legitimate criticisms but the idea that they haven't done anything, I don't think is a reasonable criticism. I think that it's been a fairly activist government. I think that the people who say they've done too much of some things maybe have a stronger case than people who say that they've done almost nothing. But that's, you know, that's maybe for another day. I, I think that the priorities that they that they described were conditioned by a couple of things. Um, both of which were unstated, uh, but I think we're in the margins. One is the question of, yes, it's a minority government, and so you don't want it to sound as though you can do everything that you could possibly ever imagine wanting to do because you do need the support of one or the other of the opposition parties in order to get your your agenda through. And so if you end up with a throne speech that sounds sort of aggressively ambitious – it's easier for opposition parties to kind of grab hold of things and start to stake out areas where they're going to criticize you or marshal support against what you want to do. And and so in that sense, a a kind of a more modest tone and language makes a sense. Second thing is that I remain really unconvinced that, um, Justin Trudeau is going to run, uh, as the liberal leader in the next election. And I think that, um, if we think about the throne speeches that he's been responsible for, uh, this doesn't look like the throne speech of somebody who's starting to think about how he's going to win that majority again in a few years. Uh, It's more of a head down, get the work done, um, take the drama out uh, kind of throne speech. And, and, you know, I guess somebody could make the case that that's the way that he should comport himself or sound as a leader if he wants to win a majority next time. But I think it's a little bit more like I'm going to take some time here. We're going to get some things done that I promise to do that I think are important for the country and that I, that, that um, maybe if I get them done, then people will reflect uh, well on my time in office, but I'm not sure that that's the, that's the whole motivation. And I think the last thing is that it's a, it's a product of the times we're still in the pandemic the economy is still uncertain. And I think the government is sort of recognizing that there are these two big uh, imponderables that are going to condition the choices that they have to make in the months ahead. And so pretending that those don't exist uh, and that you could just kind of draw a picture of the future that you want without those impeding it in any way or affecting it in any way would be dishonest too. So um, that's, you
0: know, it's a, it's an unusual time for sure. Okay. I'm going to take a, um, uh, a quick break, and then we kind of come back and talk the, about the politics of yesterday, because there was a lot of it on display, and I don't just mean by the Liberals. I mean that some of the dancing that was going on in front of those microphones, uh, I thought was uh, was quite something to watch. Anyway, um,
1: we'll do that right after this. Our black product sponsor is The Economist. If you don't already know, its expertise lies in making sense of the world's most important developments. It offers completely independent opinion and analysis, giving you a balanced global view of an issue instead of a biased or politically motivated opinion. And don't be fooled by the name. It covers pretty much everything from culture to science and technology, from politics to finance and business. It's Black Friday. Get 50% off the annual digital subscription to The Economist. This gives you access to the website, their app, podcasts, newsletters, webinars, and more. It's a great offer, and we think it'll make a difference the way you see the world. There's a reason world leaders read it. We hope you will give it a try. Just visit economist.com bridge50 to get 50% off your first year, including full access to the app and economist.com. That's Economist.com Bridge50, where 50 is a number, for 50% off your first year to enjoy The Economist, whenever and wherever you want. Are you sugarcoating the effects of type 2 diabetes on your heart? The bittersweet truth is that diabetes affects more than just your blood sugar levels. It can impact many parts of your body, and that includes your heart. In fact, one in two people with type 2 diabetes die due to heart disease. If you have diabetes and a history of heart disease, there are medications that, along with diet and exercise, can lower your risk of dying from problems related to your heart and blood vessels. Talk to your doctor today and visit myheartmatters.ca to learn more. Brought to you by two of Canada's leading pharmaceutical research-based companies. Looking to cook smarter and faster at home? Chef's Plate Dinner Boxes give you back the time spent on meal planning and grocery shopping by delivering everything you need to cook delicious meals Right to your door. Each Chef's Plate box also comes with pre portioned ingredients measured out perfectly for your meals. Say goodbye to wasted produce and hello to saving money. Go to chef'splate.com, click the sign up button, and apply the code THE BRIDGE. That's one word, THE BRIDGE, to get 50% off your first two boxes.
0: And welcome back. I'm Peter Mansbridge in Stratford, Ontario. Bruce Anderson is in Ottawa. We're talking about the throne speech yesterday and the impact uh, whatever was said yesterday is going to have on the next few weeks and months and the life, uh, the early life of this new parliament. You're listening on uh, SiriusXM Canada, Channel 167, Canada Talks, or on your favorite podcast platform. And as we always say, wherever you're listening from, uh, we appreciate um, your interest in what we have to say. And I always am interested in what you have to say. So, as I said earlier, if you have any thoughts on any of this or anything else, uh, drop me a line at themansbridgepodcast at gmail.com, themansbridgepodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you want one of those signed book plates for off the record, same address. Uh, just drop me a line. You got to do it in the next week or two. Um, are you going to? We're going to. Not only will we run out of book plates, but we'll uh, uh, run, run out of time because I will likely be out of the country in a couple of weeks. All is right. it the same address for hats and the beer cozies, t-shirts, anything else? Beer, beer cozies, cozies. Is, is that what yeah, they're called?
2: I think, yeah, the things that you you know put your beer in to keep the beer cold. Oh yeah. Um, yeah i, I think I, oh, you need a whole merch line because i think you're really good at at pitching these uh mansbridge branded products on on the podcast and uh, <laughs> i'm sure people they like, just want more
0: well it, right, let's you, get the back to are, the letters are pouring in for book plates <laughs> i mean i'm telling you I, i'm signing lots of them every day um I had my booster yesterday by the way i'm getting mine tomorrow i was uh you know, I was wondering, because I, on my first shot and my second shot, I had no side effects, zero zip. Right. So You seem a little off today. Is that the booster? <laughs> what Is do you it? mean I seem a little
2: off? Uh,
0: no, I fever, feel I, a
2: little fevered. I felt a little fever as you were talking about your disappointment in the, in the throne speech and the, the pomp. The pomp level was slow and i thought oh maybe he's had that booster and he's you know,
0: just <laughs> or or could it be the intermittent fasting that i've started in it the last be, few days it could be yeah which you're are hangry you're a little hangry well i'm i am starving this morning not so much the last couple of days but well, uh, i am i'm hungry today i think that might be the combination it. of the, the intermittent fasting and the and the booster. And the booster, yeah. The two things. Yeah. No side effects from the booster other than a little, a tiny little bit of soreness in my uh, in my arm where I got the shot. Um, but nothing, you know, didn't keep me up awake at night or anything like that. Did you get some nice Moderna or did you get the Pfizer? I got the Pfizer. I don't know. I Apparently, my pharmacist said that, uh, you know, unless you're AstraZeneca, and you've got to go now to an M- M- mrna um vaccine that's me pick yeah whichever one you want uh or whichever one the pharmacy or whoever you're getting it from has but if you were already on an mrna um you should probably stick with the pharmacist suggested that you should uh, that he was being told you should stick with the one you had last so hmm. I uh, I I was AstraZeneca first go around Pfizer second and then so Pfizer again the third, uh, and that's where we're at. Right. Well, and the other thing closer. about these boosters, apparently, you know, before it would take two weeks for the the, the vaccine to take hold, this takes forty eight hours, and then you're nice. you're uh, you know you're home free uh, to nice to such an extent that you are with any vaccine. I mean, we go out dancing. You can do all the things you like to do. That's right. I'll be like in the throne speech the next time. I'll be I'll be driving go. the the ice cream truck with the MPs in it. That was there the most go. ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Anyway, uh, let's get back to substantive discussion. And mm-hmm. here's what I found interesting. I'm looking forward to having your take. It is, as we've said many times, a minority government, and for the government to survive, they need the uh, support of at least one of the opposition parties, basically either the NDP or the um, the Bloc Quebecois, and you know on occasion I, I'm sure they're going to have the support of the Conservatives uh, as well, depending on what the the legislation is. But out of the gate, there's a you know a vote of confidence on the throne speech, and if they lose that vote, they uh, that's it, and you know the government falls, or we go to another election. So there was a lot of brave talk yesterday based on a speech that they all knew was going to be the way it was. And they don't have the details until they start bringing in legislation. But the NDP leader, who for the last month we've been hearing all this talk about, they're in secret negotiations with the government about how to keep the government propped up and what that cost will be. Well, yesterday... Jagmeet Singh sounded like when he got to the microphone, like the last thing he would ever do was support the government, that he just ripped into this uh, throne speech, said it was vacuous, there was nothing in it, and on and on he went. But of course, when asked, are you going to support it? He said, well, I got to wait until we have a caucus meeting. I don't know how he could support anything after the words he said, but it seemed to it seemed to me, anyway, as the story unfolded, that in his back pocket, there were two things. One, he wanted to look tough uh, for his own party and his own supporters across the country, that they would take on the liberals no matter what. And second, the bloc was probably going to support the government. And so it didn't, he didn't need to at this stage, anyway. And, of course, then the bloc came up, and Yves Blanchet uh, did his thing at the microphone, and where he, He crapped all over the phone speech too, but at the the end of the day, he said, but, you know, we're going to support it. So crisis over. And, you know, whatever it was, half an hour, an hour of, you know, politics played out in front of the cameras. Everybody had their moment and uh, off they went. And tomorrow will uh, be another normal day. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think that
2: all of the leaders Probably would be better off having started yesterday, the opposition leader saying we're going to end up supporting the government on some matters, not because we support the policies, but because we know that Canadians don't want an election and we're not going to put ourselves in a situation where um, every vote is really a question of whether or not we're going to force an election. They didn't do that. They never do that. It would probably be better if they did do that the block came the closest basically to saying uh we're going to look at our votes not as a question in every case of uh, are we perfectly aligned with the policy of the government or do we believe in the values of the government but um because the reality is is canadians just had an election and this is the government that they ended up with. And, and we don't want another election and neither do they in the near term. Um, So they didn't do that. So what do they do? They do the kind of things that are sort of learned behavior, rote behavior in keeping with the tradition, if you like, part of why it's the worst TV show. Um, Because the, the pattern is so predictable and so kind of meaningless, really. I mean, the bloc said it was boring. The conservatives said the liberals are horrible people. Uh, the NDP say liberals don't care enough or don't do enough. But you could have wrote written each of those, um, and probably they were written, before the throne speech in terms of this is what we're going to say. And then the only thing that happens is throne speech happens and everybody kind of behind the scenes in each party looks at the throne speech and says, is there something in there that we didn't anticipate that we need to add a response to, or something so dramatic that we need to kind of reorganize our, our response, our attack lines. And in yesterday's throne speech, there was nothing like that. And so it was easy enough, I think, for Aaron O'Toole to say, the Liberals don't care about inflation. The Liberals don't care about the economy. The Liberals are trying to use vaccinations to divide Canadians, and we should stop doing that. The things that they were saying before the throne speech, essentially, are the things that they're saying after. I, I do think that the, um, that the NDP have a particular challenge, which is different from the Conservative leader's challenge. The NDP challenge is if the government does persist in climate action, in action for reconciliation, in $10 a day childcare, in those kind of progressive policies, um, they can say that the Liberals aren't going far enough, but the public opinion doesn't really kind of support it in the sense of people not saying, well, I know our target is 45%, 40 to 45% emissions reduction, and it should really be 50 to 55% this is one of the things I think the NDP learned the hard way in the last election is just saying that you think the liberals should go farther is one thing. People might agree with you, but it doesn't mean that they're going to vote uh, that way because they don't really consume the details of policy as much as the general kind of thrust and direction of the government. So that's the challenge for the NDP is how to sound like a relevant choice rather than just a voice that constantly says, Hey, care more, do more. I think for the conservatives, it's really a question of, can this leader use whatever platform he's given throne speech or any other event in the political calendar to command the enthusiasm of his supporters and weaken the enthusiasm of those who want him out. And I didn't really see him having a great day yesterday. And I definitely don't think that he needs any more days when they have to talk about vaccinations. I don't understand why they're continuing to pursue a, Uh, an argument with the speaker about vaccination. I don't understand why Aaron O'Toole hasn't said something more clear in response to the questions about how many MPs are unvaccinated. I get that they hate those questions, but I also know that in everyday life, there's a lot of people who are kind of wondering, well, why don't they fess up about where they're at on that? And he'd be better off just finding a permanent answer to that, whatever it is. A permanent answer is better than facing those questions all the time.
0: I got to say, it's unclear to me as to why he just doesn't say, okay, we have six MPs, you know, who have chosen not to be vaccinated. Here here, they are. Here are
2: their names. Go and ask them. You know, something like
0: that. And and they will have to live within the rules that the the House of Commons has set and just leave it. I mean, six out of 100, roughly, you know, is... (laughs) you know, is, is is what it is at 6%. And, uh, you know, <laughs> that's about what the national average is.
2: That is the national average. Right. That's right. Now, but I'm not say saying there are six. These, I, uh, I don't know.
0: Maybe there's more than six. Maybe there's less than six. But whatever. It's not going to be a huge number. Right. Right. And also, this whole idea that they've got some medical exemption.
2: You know, I know they got really mad at Mark Holland, who's a liberal,
1: whip, I think, or maybe the House, house leader.
2: leader. Yeah. Yeah. Um, saying it was statistically highly improbable to have, you know, a number of people back to your, what is a number, <laughs> but a number of people in the, in the caucus who have medical reasons for not being vaccinated. And I think that, you know, that's a fair point. Um, and it really just goes to the, the transparency, of the conservative position on this. And if it was a kind of a marginal issue, vaccinations and the pandemic, nobody would care about the lack of transparency or very few people would care. Let me put it that way. But it's a little bit like if you want to be on a high horse every day, criticizing the other people for their kind of moral failings and um, their untrustworthiness. I don't know how you square that circle. I I just feel like he would be so much better off saying, here are the names, go and talk to them. I've talked to them. They won't do it. They say they've got medical exemptions. Ask them for the evidence of it rather than defending them all. Because to your point of their caucus, I assume almost all of them are vaccinated and probably almost all of those MPs in the conservative caucus who are vaccinated are mad as hell at the others because every day their work is dogged by this question and they can't answer it they walk away from the microphone when it's asked it's nuts to to be
0: still talking about that before we wrap this up um and you know obey the rules here what what's the one are the rules <laughs> what's the one piece of legislation when it eventually comes down that you're going to be looking at that that could and you know, you tip the balance one way or another in this in this house. What, what's the what's the critical piece? What's the critical you issue? Just you one. mean to to cause an election? Well, or to cause a disruption there where we were where we would at least be talking about the possibility this could bring the government down. Or if you don't see one, then you don't see one.
2: It depends if, I know you, you want to establish rules that you haven't <laughs> laid out, and so I'm going to probably break one of the rules, and you're going to tell me, well, that's not within the rules, you tell me It'll okay? be
0: one of these 16 issues, says so is Bruce. No,
2: no, it's not. <laughs> it's really a question of who's the conservative leader, because I don't think this conservative leader will look at child care, or capping of emissions or gun policy, which would be the three things where you'd say, um, well, even there, I think the makeup of the House means the Liberals will always get one of the other parties uh, to support them on those policies. So it it feels to me like it, the only thing will be some sort of unforeseen scandal Um and maybe it'll be a real scandal. Maybe it'll be a, a kind of a a bit of a confection. But the policy landscape, as the Liberals described it in the throne speech, doesn't include any of those walls where you can see all of the opposition parties saying, we can't get over that wall. And so I, I, I can't answer uh, the question with a single policy. I don't think it will be that.
0: Well, that was a very good answer, though. Uh, I thank you think, thank I think you. you that makes a lot of sense i'll just say one thing that if if, if i was you know and this may change as uh, as events change but in this moment when i look at the uh, aaron o'toole situation i say the only way this guy can survive into the next, next election is to force that election now as soon as he can and so we at least have another run. I mean, let's not forget the last election, he looked toast before it started and within a week he looked like he was a contender. So things can change rapidly once you get into a campaign. But I just don't see what the issue is that's going to force an election. But if I'm him, I'm thinking I got to force an election if I'm going to survive.
2: If it's not scandal then I think you're, you know, I think it's the state of the economy and in particular if inflation, you and I remember when inflation was running at ten percent and interest rates were twenty, and that yeah. was a long time ago, but it was a it was a pretty transfixing thing. And and um, you, you remember that uh, Justin Trudeau's father ran famously against wage and price controls that were proposed by his opponent, um, and then he turned around and implemented wage and price controls because inflation was so rampant. Now, you know, most experts seem to say we're not headed to a world like that. But if we, if we are, if we end up seeing 10% inflation and that feeling of the economy is out of control, that is a scenario where all opposition parties might say we can make a meal out of this. And uh, you know, from different perspectives on the spectrum. And certainly Aaron O'Toole, if he's talking about anything, Uh, more than all other topics right now, I hear him say inflation, inflation, inflation. And it's a bet. Um, Is it a bet that can go really wrong for him? Not really, in the sense that if inflation tames, people won't say, well, why did you spend so many months talking about inflation? They'll just forget that he talked about inflation and he'll have to find some new way of of being relevant.
0: Well, here's all I'll say on inflation is that for the last year, I've been raising the specter of the potential of inflation becoming an issue long before, back when it was still a 2%. Uh, and the experts um, didn't think I was uh, had anything going there. And they still think, many of them, that this is only a temporary thing and it'll be gone within literally within uh, months, if not. Uh, I liked how
2: you year. used to, like air quotes uh, around
0: experts yeah. but the
2: experts out there you should know that peter used the air quotes because you can't see it in the podcast but he, he did the experts in air quotes well <laughs> i didn't want to mention you directly so also you didn't start with a, i was right even though that's really the point of what you just said and no. you could we don't re-stand.
0: know it we don't know whether I was right yet well I thought all I saying. know is that for the last year the big names in the economy whether we call them experts or not we're saying this is not going to be as big an issue as some people are suggesting. And they're not saying that quite as loudly now as they were a year ago. Right. But every every month, that number keeps creeping up. and It keeps getting higher. So we'll see where that ends. And uh, I totally agree with you. If, if, uh, if it continues up, then the opposition parties will make a meal of it. No question. Not just in this country in others as well it'll be a it'll be a biden killer in the states uh, Yep, uh, with that there's yep. no doubt okay we're going to wrap it up i did want to compliment you on the tremendous sound coming out of the worldwide headquarters of uh anderson um smoke mirrors and the truth studios in in ottawa just like excellent thank audio you quality. thank you you know i i want to um
2: acknowledge that people have from time to time had to be patient as we tried to figure out a better sound solution and for anybody who thought we weren't really working at it we were really working at it peter and i spent a lot of time uh on zoom calls with technicians trying to figure out why uh, the sound wasn't quite what it uh should be and, and i and i hope it it is today and i hope with the solutions that we put in place this week it'll stay that way yep
0: sounds great all right Take a 48 hour break, and you'll be back with Good Talk with Chantel on Friday. Look forward to that. Bruce Anderson in Ottawa. I'm uh, Peter Vansbridge in Stratford, Ontario. You've been listening to The Bridge, Smoke, Mirrors, and the Truth. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again in 24 hours.